Welcome to the Stories Told Podcast. This is episode 54. You gotta have heart. This is the Stories Told Podcast. Two authors talking about stories in movies, TV, and of course, books. I'm Michael Grayford. I write action-adventure stories in fantasy and sci-fi worlds sometimes for younger readers and sometimes for adults. And I try to always inject at least a little bit of humor. And I am author E.W. Barnes, and I write action-adventure time travel novels and space opera science fiction. Thousands of years, thousands of worlds. But be forewarned, beyond here, there will be spoilers. Are you ready for the adventure? Let's begin. Welcome back to the Stories Told podcast. I'm author E.W. Barnes, and with me is author Michael Grayford. And today we're talking about the story told in the 2005 Nickelodeon's Avatar The Last Airbender. And today we're going to talk about the entire series in anticipation of the Netflix live action series, which as of the time of this recording, debuts tomorrow. How are you doing today, Mike? I am doing very well. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing very well as, as well. I'm doing good as well. And what's <laughs> new in your writing world? New in my writing world. I mean, it's, uh, it's going to sound familiar. Still, still writing <laughs> the Zara 2. I'm about, I don't know, 65% of the way through the story right now. One thing I noticed is my chapters are ending up a lot longer than I expected. So the finish line seems to be stretching out to the closer I get to it, which happens sometimes. Uh, but my goal is still to finish the first draft end of this month. And you write middle grade, as we've talked about. And what is the average chapter for middle grade novels? Yeah, this, my story is kind of like lower young adult, upper middle grade. So it's kind of between the zone. Um, but the chapters tend to be shorter, is my understanding, and from books that I've read, especially with middle grade. Middle grade, they tend to be much shorter. Um, they try to get you in and out yeah. within around 2,000 words, maybe. Young adult, there's a lot more variety. You know, you have some books that uh, the chapters go quite a bit longer than that. But generally, I think the the goal, or not the goal, but the expectation is to still keep them a little bit shorter than you would expect. And like a, an ep adult epic fantasy, for example. But what are you working on this week? You know what? Same old, same old. Same kind of thing. I am 85% through Ecliptic. And it's funny, my, Fantastic. my tracker thing has got a warning on it. You have deleted words and are behind your total word count goal. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's what happens no. when I edit. I delete words. And I, and I think we've talked about before, I frequently dictate. And so my dictation program doesn't always understand what I'm saying, especially when I'm doing science fiction with made up names, made up technology, made up planet names, all this stuff. And my dictation program does the best it can. So when I go and clean it up, it might have taken a name, like a two syllable name and turned it into two words that it recognized. And then I have to convert it into a single syllable name, excuse, excuse me, a single, you know, a single name. And then so it's like, I lose words because I turned you know, yeah, Fulgar yeah. into Fulgar. Thank you for letting reminding me that I have deleted words tracking program. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thanks for that. Yeah. 
So what interesting stories have you come across lately in books or movies or television? Let's see, stories. I recently watched uh, the Percy Jackson series on Disney, which you what did you think? had watched before. I enjoyed it. I, I thought it was very well done. They, they did a good job with it. They took it seriously. I, I haven't read any of the Percy Jackson books, so I, have, I cannot compare it to you know, the stories told in the books. But as a series, I thought it was good. Yeah, I, I liked it. I, I was a little bit let down by the end, sort of the climactic sequence. I felt it was sort of anti yes. anticlimactic. I don't know if that's yes. how the, I don't know if that's yes. how the book went, but it was just kind of like okay, it just felt like another episode, and then it was the show was over. I was like okay, I guess that's it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but it seems like they're setting up more to come, obviously, which would be interesting. But I thought they did. I thought they did a fine job with the show. I thought that the actors did pretty well, especially given you know their age. I thought the kid who played the main character Percy would be great for the live action. How to Train Your Dragon pickup character. He kind of sounds and like. And see, so you were worried they weren't going to be able to replace them. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't know if. I'm, I mean, I highly doubt that they used this kid, but his voice kind of sounds like Jay Baruchel's yeah. voice in that. So I think he could work really well. Um, and he he does a good job in this show. But yeah, I liked it overall. You know, in the show, I think he's only supposed to be like twelve. Yeah, so he's clearly right. older than that. Yeah. But I thought he did a great job of seeming 12 while also still seeming like a hero. I thought it, it, it worked. And I was watching it thinking, you know, this kid seems older and he behaves older. And yet he kind of does seem 12. Yeah. I, for me, I think the show has one of the problems that a lot of these type of middle grady type stories have when translated into a visual medium, which is the same I noticed with the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe movies, where it's like you have these kids, basically, right? And it's, you know, they've got their swords and their armor, and they're doing these battle scenes, and it's just not believable even remotely. <laughs> it's like, that's just a problem with, you know, the the nature of, this, of the story and having children doing these things. But looking past that, it's, you know, you can still enjoy it. So what have you been watching or reading in the last week or so? Been watching, again, the um, second season of Halo. That is releasing on Paramount, so a uh, week at a time. So we got caught up on that, and now we're waiting for the next episode to be released. And I was going to wait to watch Dune. Okay. The new Dune movies. You know, there was yeah. one released in 2021, and then there's another one coming out in a couple of weeks. And I'm a Dune fan. I, I first read Dune when I was in middle school and loved it. And then, you know, read everything Frank Herbert wrote in the Dune universe over the years. And I was always grateful when somebody tried to make a movie out of it because it is so hard to make a movie out of it. And I always was very interested in seeing the interpretation of how to turn that into a movie. And I think sometimes there was successes, individual successes within the movies, even if the movie itself didn't succeed. <laughs> I'm looking at you, 1984 <laughs> version. And the miniseries, I thought, did a great job with it. But I was a little nervous to watch the latest version, just because, I don't know, I just didn't, I, I thought if I'm going to do this, I'd rather just wait until it's out on streaming or I can get the DVD myself 
and watch it at my own speed. But then for some reason this weekend, I said, you know what? I'm going to watch it. It's on Netflix. It's there. Let's just sit down and watch it. And it was glorious. It was amazing. Now, I know the story. I knew what was going on. So maybe that makes a difference. You know, once you have a knowledge of the story, you can't really unknow that. So I couldn't, like, watch it without knowing it. But I loved it. I thought it was beautifully filmed. I thought the actors were amazing. You know, these were actors you've seen before. Jason Momoa and Josh Brolin. And, and I, but I forgot who they were because the characters, they, they had embodied the characters so well. I, I thought it was great. I really enjoyed it. The music was, was amazing. I'm looking forward to it. I haven't seen it yet. I saw the, the, the 1980s one with, I think, David Lynch made it maybe. I forget. Yes. And I had never, I had never read the books, never didn't know anything about it. And I didn't see it until, I don't know, years after it had come out. And fortunately, I was watching it with a friend who had already seen it before and had also read the books. So he was explaining things to me as I was watching it, <laughs> which if he hadn't, I would have had no idea what was going on in that movie. Right. I, I kind of did that um, for my spouse, too. I was like, do you want me to explain what's going on here? <laughs> and he was like, yeah, tell yeah, me. <laughs> I really needed that. But with his explanation, I actually really enjoyed that movie. I thought it was cool. I thought it was well done. Yeah, I, I feel like I feel like they could have added a bit to have not needed that explanation, and it would have been even better. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I'm I'm curious to see the new ones. I haven't I haven't seen uh, the Dennis Villanueva ones yet. Are you ready to talk about Avatar: The Last Airbender? I am a little bit ready. Uh, I haven't rewatched the series as you have, so I'm going to be relying on you uh, to probably dig into this in more detail. But I've gone sort of over it in my head from what I remember. So we'll see how this goes. It's going to be fine. Today we're talking about the story told in the Nickelodeon 2005 Avatar The Last Airbender series in anticipation of the Netflix live action Avatar The Last Airbender series, which as at the time of this recording premieres tomorrow in Full, I think season one in full. So let me go ahead and read from the nick.com description of the original animated series. Aang must undertake a mystical but dangerous quest to fulfill his destiny as Avatar and bring peace to a war-torn world. So we're talking about the entire series, which was like three seasons. What did you like about the series as a whole? Yeah, it's interesting. So I hadn't seen the series when it when it first aired, but I heard about it from a lot of people saying that it was really good. And I saw the the movie, the M Night Shyamalan movie, before seeing the series. Um, so I, I went into the movie cold. I didn't know what the story was about. But uh, like most everyone else, I didn't love the movie. <laughs> But I could see that there was something really cool behind it. I was like, oh, this, there's some really neat ideas here. So then I watched the show, and I agree with, you know, just about everybody else who's commented on it. I thought it was wonderfully done. Uh, there's just so much here to love. The, the story was fun. Uh, so many elements to it. Good humor throughout. Great plot lines. I love the fact that it was a continuous story over three seasons. 
Uh, and then you still had occasional episodes that were just one-offs, sort of taking a break from the <laughs> the deeper storyline. And the world building was phenomenal. I loved all the setup of having the four different lands and how their bending, you know, their magic affects their culture and even the construction of their cities. I thought all of that stuff was just phenomenally well done. The obviously the standout thing I think is the character growth. Yeah. And it's paced out paced out over three seasons. So well done. I think I, I can only assume that they planned it over three seasons. I mean, if they didn't plan it over three seasons and they were kind of doing it as they went, that's even more impressive. But it definitely feels like they had a plan for the whole series. Yeah, just the individual characters are so cool. I love that we get a character, you know, in Aang who should be super powerful, right? The Avatar, and he has this Avatar state and the ability to use all four of the different elements to bend. But he has to learn how to properly use those powers over the course of the whole story because he's lost connection with the person who would normally mentor him. It's like such a good setup and they do such a great job of him learning the powers and training with the powers and getting used to them, going to the different lands and meeting different new, cool, fun mentors. Just so much to work with there. And they did it so well. All the characters are fun. Aang growing up from, you know, a childish kid to taking responsibility and becoming more serious. Katara and Sokka growing their skills throughout. Toph. It was great. Yeah. <laughs> the stone bender, she was so awesome. Love that character. The redemption arc of Zuko, of course, I think is the backbone of the story as much as Aang is. Just when you think he's like coming around, he, he pulls away and you're like, oh no. <laughs> but then, you know, it, it pays off so well at the and end. And it feels very realistic. Yeah, exactly. It's not forced. It's like, okay, yeah, this character probably wouldn't do that because of his background. Yeah, they. I love that they had time to play with it and to really sink it in. And it wasn't like, oh, we gotta, we got to make this character go from A to Z in, you know, one hour and a half movie, which is like how we're so often used to seeing stories presented. So it's great to see something settle and have time to work with it. All the characters, I think, are done well, even like some of the side characters. And of course, Uncle Iroh is one of the great mentors. Yeah, just the the fun of seeing how they use their bending powers in a unique way over the series. The battle and fight scenes were amazing. Even the training sequences were fun. And then, of course, you know, this is a kid's show, right, for Nickelodeon. But it's clearly made for adults as well. Uh, it starts off a little younger, maybe. But then once it gets into the meat of it, you, like, you really get into it. And there's some great adult themes with some good messages in here about doing the right thing, about friendship, about forgiveness. You know, not only forgiving others, but yourself, about the dangers of seeking power and control over other people, about learning to think beyond your upbringing and indoctrination. Again, as exemplified in Zuko, we see, you know, he's pushes against his father ultimately and sees that his has to accept that his father's simply on the wrong side of things about accepting your faults but still believing in yourself uh, and how accomplishing great things requires friends and allies. So many good themes and messages throughout this show. Honestly, for me, this is one of the all-time great epic stories. It has those deep themes, but it also, it's just a lot of fun and there's a lot of coolness along the way. Yeah, so I, I mean, obviously I loved it. What are some elements that you liked about this? 
It's very similar. Again, I was just I was going to make a joke and say, okay, thank you for listening to the Stories Told podcast because you pretty much have said it all. You know, I even loved, for example, let's take Toph as an example. And this is going to take us a little out of the 30,000 foot level. Let's say we're about 10,000 feet now. This is a character who has so much confidence from the get go. When we first meet her, she is sneaking out of her family compound to go engage in wrestling matches with other earthbenders. She has so much confidence. What does she need? And yet she grows as well. She needs to get over her resentment of her parents for coddling her. And not only does she figure out how to deal with that, but then she takes her earthbending to like a whole new level and becomes a metal bender. Yes. So I I love even that they take these characters who seem to be, you know, don't, don't need to have any real character arc and give them an arc anyway. I love that. I think that's so cool. So many, so many moments and characters that you can root for, right? Yes, exactly. And the other thing that I really loved, and I think I've said this before on the podcast, but it, uh, it is so important to me that I'm going to say it again. The way that each character triumphs is not the way that you might expect from other similar stories, right? We have the final battle between Aang and the Fire Lord, and you expect it to be a, a triumph of of power over, you know, power versus power, and somebody is strategically better or stronger or whatever. And that's not what happens. Aang removes the Fire Lord from the equation by taking away his bending. Spoiler alert, sorry. (laughs) And, And that was so not what I was expecting, right? You're expecting it to be like a throwdown because that's the way these stories frequently go. And it wasn't. Yeah, And I thought, oh my god, I love this. And it stayed consistent with Aang's character. Aang did not want to kill the Fire Lord. Aang did not want to be a violent person who who had only violence in their back pocket to use to protect the world. And I just loved, I loved that. And that happens over and over again in the series, where the resolution of the crisis is not through power, it's through love, almost. Yeah, that's a great note. So is there anything from the series that you might do differently as a writer? Let's see. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there is stuff. I, like I said, I, I didn't rewatch this yet in anticipation of this. So hopefully the, the, the new live action Netflix series is very similar and very faithful to the series because I really want to watch it again now. One thing I noticed that I would have changed, I would have differentiated some of the character names more, like Zuko, Suki, and Sokka. Like, they're just too close. <laughs> like, enough to like, I'm like, wait, who is this? Like, which one's which? How's the, you know, it's like they say the name and it's like, you have almost the same starting, almost the same middle. They're two syllables. It's just, it's too close. I would have differentiated those. And that's because I noticed that in my own writing, if I see something that's similar, I'm like, oh, I need to push these out a little bit more to make them a little more distinct. That's a small, that's a small yeah. thing. and It's the Sauron, Saruman thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right. But it's a small thing, and you see them on the screen, so you, you know the characters are different. But certainly when you're first getting into it, you're like, wait, which character name is this again? Okay, so you get it. But yeah, it's not that big of a deal. Another thing I seem to remember, and maybe this was paid off, I'm not sure, like I haven't seen in a while. If I remember right, there was like, there was an acrobat character, 
a girl who was sort of following Zuko or yeah, Zuko's sister around, Azula, I think her name was. Yes, yes. It was like one of her one of her friends who was like an acrobat or something. And I just yeah. felt like that character, like the way that character was set up, like why would she be following Azula around? Didn't seem like she would even get along with her, let alone be tagging along. So that, that seemed a little odd to me. Yeah. That's a really small thing too. But I, I, it was something I noted enough at the time to remember. And in the end, she, along with the rest of Azula's friends, abandoned Azula. Right. Yeah, yeah so. I think that's right. Well, obviously it's right. You just saw it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, and, and that's appropriate. And they're obviously setting it up for that. I just wish, maybe maybe they should have had her had more reason to be yeah. there in the first place. That's like, you could really buy it and ground off on it. And the only other thing I thought was there was something about the end, about the climax of the story that left me wanting a little bit. I, I remember when I saw it, but unfortunately it's not coming to mind now. I think maybe I wanted to see more of Aang using his avatar. Yeah. Not necessarily in dealing with the Fire Lord, like you said, but there were just such glorious moments when he activated that earlier in the series. It's like, oh, I really wanted to see that again, where it was just, let's see him unleashed just yeah. for a bit. I agree with what you said about his interaction with the Fire Lord at the end. I think that worked so well. So I wouldn't want to see it there, like he just smacks him down or something. I don't think that would have been the right way to handle that. But I was, I was missing something like that at the end. I, I, I wish I could be more specific. I, I, I just remember having this feeling at the end, like, oh, just wanting another yeah. little punch yeah. there, you know. But those are the only things I could remember. I mean, I, I, I remember there were some episodes that's, that felt a little superfluous, yes. maybe, as it went through. So I might have trimmed those a little bit. But other than that, those are the things that come to mind. How about you? Are, were the things that you would improve? I have the same thoughts. I would have removed the superfluous episodes. I think at the beginning, you know, it's kids show again. Yeah. But once I started getting into the meat of the story and the sort of the arc, overall arc of the story, the kids that are going to be engaged are going to be engaged. You don't need to play around with them. And the ones who are not, who are going to want something lighter, they're not going to be in, watching it anyway. Right. I think it would have been okay to eliminate the superfluous ones. The The thing that, and I don't even think this is really a writer observation. It, it's just, it's actually something unfortunate. They lost the actor who played Uncle Iroh. Oh, yeah. I think at the end of the second season, between the second season and third season. And so they had they used a different actor for the few scenes that they still needed Uncle Iroh for continuity. But I think they may have cut him out. From yeah, I definitely the story. felt that way. Out of respect for that actor, which I can understand. I think the uh, that actor whose name was Mako or Mako, I don't know how to pronounce Mako, it. Mako, yeah, I think that's right, yeah. Mako. And out of respect to Mako and and the personality that he brought into that character, it was not repeatable. You can tell when you hear Uncle Iroh later in the third season that it's not the same person. And and that's okay. I mean, I think you needed to have the uncle uncle there because he was such a crucial component but it just he as you pointed out he was such a wonderful mentor i mean he is the mentor we would all like to have yeah and and to have him not be woven into the third season there was it just felt there was something missing and it wasn't quite as satisfying otherwise now is there anything i think that could have been done about that no it was just 
a real loss and it was a real shame that that actor was no longer available and and I think it was also very respectful to not you know immediately replace him with somebody else and carry on I think there was there's a balance there that I think they achieved accomplished but it still I think unfortunately took away from that third season just a little bit yeah that's a great point uh, for me I th- I thought I thought the actor who plays him did a fine job. I mean, obviously, you can tell it's not exactly the same person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I thought it was good enough where they still could have had more of his character in there, and it would have been fine. I don't yeah, think... that's a good... Uh, for yeah. me, I don't think that would have been disrespectful. I think Mako or Mako, like you said, however his name is pronounced, I don't think... I mean, I think he would have been fine with having that character yeah. continue to be a big part of the show, as he was. Yeah. So what are your hopes for the live action version on Netflix? I, I mean, I guess I hope less than the specific things of the show that they carry through the elements that we've talked about here today that we like, right? The character development, the world building, the cool sequences, the humor. Like if they can make all those elements come to life, uh, that would be great. It doesn't to me. It doesn't have to follow exactly the same storyline episode by episode, and obviously it won't because we're looking at season one with eight episodes versus I don't know how many they had for each season in the animated a series, lot. but it was a lot, lot more than eight. <laughs> I know yeah. that. Uh, so I'm sure the stuff was condensed. So I don't mind. I don't mind that they condensed it. As we talked about, there were super, superfluous episodes that could easily just have been completely left out, and it wouldn't really change the story. And there were others that certainly could be combined or or certain sequences that could have been could be shrunk a little bit. So I I don't mind if they do that. I don't mind if you know we're we're lacking some of the content from the original animated series. I just hope they get the the themes right, the characters right. You know, the effects seem to be doing really well. Like visually it seems to be very nicely done. So hopefully that all comes together. Because that's, yeah, it's like I said, it's for me, it's one of the all time great epic stories with such great character development and character transformations over the course of it, uh, combined with the world building. If they can nail that, I think it's going to be great. And for me, I think it's something that you uh, talked about, and I don't remember which story we were discussing, but you talked about the importance of heart. And I remember when my offspring, suggested we watch this cartoon and i was like dude it's a cartoon yeah but it was the heart that caught me and it was the heart that carried me and that's what i'm really hoping for i i'm hoping to be touched and you know that that it that it touches my heart and makes me feel good the way the cartoon did that's what i'm really hoping for oh yeah that's fantastic and you're right they get you with the they get you with that right off like almost from the first episode of the animated series, you're really like, oh, you're, investigate, you're invested yeah. with these characters. Even though it's a little lighter and sillier at the start, you're still like, oh, I like these people. I want to hang out with these people. Yeah, exactly. Thank you for joining us as we talked about the story told in the 2005 Nickelodeon animated version of Avatar The Last Airbender. A big thank you to our Patreon supporters and all our subscribers. We're so grateful for your support and your encouragement. 
The Stories Told podcast is available on multiple podcast platforms, and we thank you for liking and subscribing or following, depending on where you're listening. It may not be a big deal to you, but it means a lot to us. As a reminder, you can read The Adventures of the Imperian Guard as it's being written on Patreon, and The Tales of Zara on Kindle Vela, as well as Amazon in both ebook and paperback form, and those links are in the show notes. You can find Michael Grayford at michaelgrayford.com and E.W. Barnes at a thousandyears.com. Join us next time as we talk about the story told in the new Netflix live action version of Avatar The Last Airbender. Thank you so much, Mike. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you. I'm looking forward to seeing the live action version of this. Yeah, me too. And we'll see you next time on the Stories Told Podcast. <laughs>